welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. I have a great surprise for you today. Uh, I have a guest speaker uh, that I invited to speak to us this morning. His name is Samuel Laws. You heard from his father a couple of weeks ago. I should say a month ago, he spoke for us. And Samuel Laws is one of the lead pastors of Brave Church up in San Ramon, California. And Brave Church has a major part in the story of Atmosphere Church. Some people even call Atmosphere Church Baby Brave because it was really birthed out of a vision that God had given Samuel and Darren years ago. And so we want to welcome Samuel Laws. He's going to bring us the word this morning. Would you give a round of applause, a big good morning welcome from Atmosphere Church to Pastor Samuel Laws. Man, this is incredible. This is my, my first time today getting to preach live in six months. Um, the, the climate is a little different where I'm from in the Bay. The restrictions are different. And uh, so this is such an honor to be here with you guys. It's really cool. Uh, and, you know, f- six months, but it feels like riding a bike. You know, it's just great to, to be back in front of real people. Um, I think the music is better down here. Maybe it's because we're so close to L.A. I don't know what it is, but you guys, your band sounds great. Let's give them a hand. Aren't you glad that clapping can't spread COVID? Like, we can clap. You guys just want you to know you don't have to be quiet. Uh, you, can, you can engage this morning. Uh, but my name is Samuel Laws, and if you don't know who I am or anything, I mean, Phil, you know, great introduction, but you might be thinking, this guy just looks like a shorter version of Jim. And uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much in the last few years, Jim has kind of become the big brother I never had. It's been awesome just building a relationship with him. And really, this has been a divine connection between our two churches. Pastor Jim has been a huge blessing to Brave Church. He's come up and spoken um, many times in the last few years and really just been, uh, God has orchestrated some things that were just so timely that, that we didn't even know would happen when he would happen to be there. Uh, but when I think about your guys' church and just the journey so far, it's really, it's really incredible to see how God is creating such a resilient community. I mean, starting with the tragedy at Borderline to the fires to, to what 2020 is, I mean, to just think that this church is being birthed at this time for such a time as this. And so here, here we are, and I just can't wait to see what God does. Um, a little bit about me. Um, I, by the way, I, yeah, my, I have um, a, a four-month-old daughter and an 18-month-old. And so you can just be praying for my wife right now because I just hope that, you know, it's a good thing when I walk through the door tonight. <laughs> but I'm going to be flying back, back tonight, and I really wouldn't be down here for anyone. Uh, I, it's an honor to be here and to serve Pastor Jim and to serve you. And so, but that's, that's what's going on at home. In fact, I think we have some photos. This is Mia. She is becoming a chef now. She can finally stand on, on a, a stool, and she loves just being in the mix. And then her sister, Juliana, she was born 
right when shelter in place, right after, a few weeks after it started. So it was kind of a scary time. I don't know if you guys remember, but we didn't know a lot of, a lot about COVID. You know, we didn't know how scary it would be or what would happen. And so, but it, but by God's grace, it was actually a really great experience. The hospital was pretty much empty because nobody wanted to be at the hospital. So it was really, it was actually maybe the safest place to be, which was interesting. So I love, um, I love my family. I love, I love what God has called me to, and I, and I love preaching. So this is an honor. Um, but you know, I want to, I want to share with you because, because I, I love, I think it's really cool that Pastor Jim is on a vacation. And you know, this has been a particularly difficult time for pastors. But pastors usually won't tell you that because it just sounds like you're telling everybody to feel bad for you or something, you know. But for Pastor Jim, I mean, this the. All of the challenges, I just want you guys to know from another perspective, all of the, the, the challenges that from week to week, even, even you know, while on vacation, just stuff that you guys are dealing with to, to stay able to meet and all the different people that will complain or say different things. And, and not only that, but just the overwhelming feeling that everybody needs help, that there's more people to, to pray with than I can pray with, that there's more people that I can help than I even have time to help. And there's, there's just all of these unique burdens right now that pastors haven't faced before. And so I actually got to a point just a few months ago where I, I felt like I was gonna burn out, like the weight of everything. And I had just been, there's always something to do, right? And so I, I, was, I was working too much. Uh, and then and then I really felt like God, he just, he just told me, hey, do you, do you have faith? Like, do you trust me? Do you trust me enough to take a break, even in the middle of a, a crisis? And so even just taking a vacation was a step of faith. And I'm sure Pastor Jim felt similarly. But for me, what, what started to happen is I started kind of going to a dark place. I started, you know, getting, getting very fearful, getting very worried, which is kind of ironic because our church is called Brave. And I'm like thinking, is the church even going to survive this? Am I going to need to find a new job? How am I going to feed these babies? Like, what's going to happen? And it got really dark. And it wasn't until till I took a break and I stepped away from it all. And, you know, it was great because there's re- getting recharged physically and emotionally. But really, spiritually, it was a time to regain God's perspective and to be reminded of of what God is seeing and that God is at work even in the midst of, of the, the tragedies and the hardships and all of the difficult things. And really what God started teaching me is that I had a lot of peace before everything started falling apart. You know, and as soon as it did, I lost it. And what I needed to learn is how to cultivate peace. Because if you don't know how to cultivate peace, you won't have it when things aren't going well. And so that's been my journey, and that's what I want to share with you today, because I, unfortunately, I can't take us all on a vacation right now. Uh, so we're just going to have to, I'm just going to have to share with you what God has shared with me. That said, side note, if, if, even if it's like just staying at home and setting aside some time, I would encourage anyone that can to, to just take some time to seek God right now, because this time is a gift. And the next thing you know, everything's going to be busy again, and things are going to start snapping back to normal. But this really is a special moment for us to go deep with God. So let's pray. God, I pray for all of us here today, Lord, all different places, all different backgrounds, all different beliefs. God, wherever wherever you're coming from, God, I pray that we would be inspired by a greater vision for the kind of peace that we can have in our lives through you. But God, I also pray that we would be challenged and that we would step up to the challenge to take action and to do the hard work of cultivating peace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, hey, if you're taking notes, the title of today's talk is How to Cultivate Peace. Um, 
I hadn't, I, I've only ran one race since high school, like actually like signed up, you know, those crazy people that do like marathons and stuff like that. And, and some, some friends were going to do the, the great race, the Agora Hills half marathon. And I thought that sounds cool. Like I've, I've never, never done that. And I, and I was 21. This was like 10 years ago or well, 12 years ago, 11 or 12 years ago. Now I'm like Phil. Anyways, I was signed. I signed up for it, and I thought I don't, you know, I don't need to train because I work out a lot. I'm in good shape. I'm, I was fit. I was only 21, and and so I didn't train, and and then, but I but I didn't want to like get left behind. So I ran as hard as I could just to stay in it with my friends that I was running with. And at the end of this thing, like I finished, but then the next day I was like rolling out of bed and limping. And this limp, it didn't go away. I was limping for like six months. Like I had torn something, messed up something in my knee. Like I couldn't even just like run again for a year. Now, people who practice and train to run marathons don't feel like that the next day, right? Like they they could probably run another one the next week and maybe even run it faster. Like their time might even improve. See, even though I performed and I pulled it off without training, I couldn't do it again. Real peace is more than a performance. It's something that we cultivate. It's something that we practice because you can fake peace. But if you do, it fades away really fast. And so this is a really important shift in our thinking because our culture is all about performance. Our culture celebrates performance. We evaluate based on performance. And this mentality doesn't just affect how we view and evaluate the stuff we're watched, the stuff we're entertained by, our career, our success, keeping up with our neighbors. It can affect how we live out our relationship with God. Performative faith keeps us from growing closer to God and it keeps us from receiving all that God wants for our lives. When we do this, it's like when we, when we find ourselves doing things that are kind or generous because we wanna be seen as a kind or generous person. We do this when we start to maybe use Christian phrases or things that we heard that sounded really spiritual or we raise our hands, but we're, we're just kind of thinking during worship, like I wonder if they see how spiritual I am right now. <laughs> Or we act like we're just so chill when things are not chill because we just want to seem like the person that has it all under control, that we're just like playing it cool. And see, this is really important because it's really hard to find true, true peace when our faith is a performance. And, and I say this because I, I, it is so important that we get honest with ourselves right now and we ask ourselves the question, how am I doing at cultivating peace? Because that's what this moment in our culture has produced, is a moment for all of us to self-evaluate. Only you can answer that question. Only you can answer that question and be honest with yourself and be honest with God. But what that can lead to is something that we have never experienced before. Let's not leave this season of life without gaining some stuff from God that we have never had before. Who we are consistently, authentically, and privately is a true reflection of our heart. I love what Craig Rochelle says. He says, we don't rise to the occasion. We fall to our level of preparation. The Apostle Paul said, it takes perseverance to run this race for a lifetime. And so we're gonna look at some of his words from Colossians 3. I'm gonna read this passage if you wanna follow along. Colossians 3, one through five. And then we're gonna look at how this literally shows us to cultivate an inner peace. 
Here we go. You guys with me? Okay. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. When you hear the word peace, what do you picture? What do you think of? Like some of us, we just think of an afternoon where there's no babies crying and there's no kids yelling and you can like watch a whole episode of something without getting interrupted or like you can read for a little bit, right? Others, maybe we think of being on a beach somewhere with our favorite drink where we can relax. Others, we think of a picture of a world with no wars, no hate and no conflict. And like, what do all of those things have in common? They can feel really far away right now. So how does the Bible define peace? Now, we're going we're gonna to nerd out a little bit for a second, okay? And then we're going to get practical. But I think it's really important that we all have a clear picture of like, what is biblical peace? Like, what does the Bible mean when it talks about peace, okay? Because we all might expect different things. So in most languages, peace means an absence of war. And in the Bible, it can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to a presence of something better in its place. There are two main words used for peace in the Bible. In the Old Testament, we have the Hebrew word shalom. And in the New Testament, we have the Greek word irene. Shalom means complete and whole. Joshua 8, 31 talks about a stone in perfect shape without any cracks. Another metaphor would be uh, an ancient stone wall that doesn't have any holes in it. Shalom is something that's complex with lots of pieces, but it's in a state of being complete. It's put together. Shalom, in the Bible, often referred to a person's state of well-being. When David, in the story of David and Goliath, when he went out to check on his brothers at the battlefield before they would fight, uh, he, he asked them, he said, hey, how's your shalom? In other words, how's your well-being? How are you guys doing? So in this way, shalom becomes a verb. It's, it's a view of peace where peace is being made. It's being restored. It's being kept King Solomon brought shalom to the unfinished temple when he completed it. In the same sense, when you reconcile and you heal a relationship, you're bringing shalom. In the time of ancient Israel, when rival kingdoms made shalom, they, they didn't just stop becoming enemies. They actually started working together with mutual benefits. 
And so this is what Israel's kings were supposed to do, but because they didn't, Isaiah then prophesied of a future king who would be a prince of Shalom. So when Jesus is born, it's referred to as the arrival of Irene, which is the Greek word for peace. And Jesus says, I've come to give peace to others. Romans 5.1, it says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. And so Jesus restored the wholeness between the broken relationship between God and people. Jesus was the embodiment of peace. Jesus shows us an example of a truly good human. And so that's why we wanna be like him. Following Jesus is a path to being a whole and complete person that cultivates peace. So after we receive this peace from Jesus, we're called to then go and be peacemakers and be people that create peace by working on ourselves, working on our relationships with others, and working on our relationship with God because it's not just the absence of conflict. It's not just that there are no wars. To have peace, we have to take what's broken inside of us with the power of the Spirit of God and see those things become put back together, to see healing and wholeness. So God wants us to be a people of shalom. This is his vision. So here in Colossians, this is what Paul gives us, his three practices for cultivating peace. And the first one, number one, is to set your hearts and minds on things above. Right in verse one, our passage begins saying, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. It goes on to say, set your minds. In other words, it's saying, hey, what, what logic are you living by? Since you've been raised in Christ, like if you really believe that, then what should your life look like? How should you live? The first thing Paul's telling us to do is think. And you know, this is actually a really radical thing when you think about it. Like that, that he's telling us, hey, the first thing I want you to do is think about life. Like we, we have blogs, podcasts, you know, web content, all kinds of stuff to tell us how to get to peace, right? Usually some quick, re, quick facts, seven steps, whatever. But it's interesting that the world's wisdom starts with doing things like spend some time in solitude, do breathing exercises, right? Work, work on your work and home life balance, clean out your closet, get some more sleep, right? And these aren't bad things, but according to Paul, they aren't the starting point to supernatural peace. This passage goes straight to the core when it, when it comes to coping with our stress, dealing with our anxiety, dealing with our depression, working through tragedies. We need more than quick fixes. According to Paul, a guy whose life's had a lot of ups and downs, and I know Pastor Jim just taught on this in your Joy series, all the ups and downs of Paul, all the stuff that he experienced. Here's what we find, supernatural peace starts with what you believe about life. Because our beliefs about life itself impact us more than anything else. Think about this. When was the last time that, that you read an article or you listened to a podcast and it was, it was claiming that it's gonna help you be a more peaceful person and it told you to think about the meaning of life or, or to think about why you exist or, or wh wh where do you come from, right? To a lot of people, that sounds really stressful. Nobody tells us to do that. That actually uh, is, is kind of scary if you haven't wrestled through or even found a relationship with God. But according to Paul, it's the beginning of peace, to pray, to think, and to study. Christianity is an intelligent path to peace. It's really smart. We don't refuse to think. We're not just escaping with rituals. It's not a crutch. Those are ways to peace, 
but not this deeper peace. Many people think that Christianity is just this close your eyes and believe because you had an emotional experience. And that, that's not the Christianity we see in the Bible. It's very emotional, don't get me wrong. But there's no way to lasting peace without doing the mental work of exploring your questions about God and working through your salvation. Thinking and wrestling through what we believe is one of the ways that we worship God. But all by itself, that's not enough. That's just a starting point. Verse five, it tells us what to do next. Number two, put to death evil desires. Put to death literally means to kill off. What are you killing off? Um, there's a long list and it continues all the way down to verse 11, but it's not a checklist to peace. You know, we read these things in this passage. It's not just like, hey, just don't do these things and you'll have peace. The question that we need to answer is what is at the root of the things on this list? What is at the bottom of these problems? And it's right here in the middle of verse five. There, there are two words. They're really easy to miss, but it says evil desires. Evil desires. The word desires here, it's a, it's a Greek word, epithmia, but it's, it's hard to translate into English to really capture what it's saying because it's not just talking about this list of evil things, like that's what we think of, but what it's actually talking about is this idea of a mega desire or an over desire. When you hear the word evil desire, like you probably think of a lot of black and white things that are just like, you know, whatever it is, but it's not that straightforward. This verse is actually talking about an over desire for good things that lead to evil. This isn't just there in the New Testament. It's every single time in scripture where we see someone's heart radically transformed. The problem with our hearts isn't that most of us desire really bad things. Many of us overcome our desires for really bad things. What's robbing us of our peace, the problem for many of us is an over desire for good things, also known as idolatry. We see this right back in Exodus 20 when God gave us the 10 commandments, right? What was the first commandment? To worship no other gods before me. Either you worship the one true God or you worship something else. And see what we know intuitively and what we find here is that everyone has a God. Everyone worships something. You're either gonna worship God or you're gonna worship something else as a God. It's impossible for the human heart not to worship because we were created to worship. A lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm not religious, and that might be true in the traditional sense. But even if you aren't religious, you worship something. So without something that we worship or something to worship, I mean, whether you're worshiping God or not, things just get chaotic, they get crazy, life becomes meaningless, and so everyone is looking to something for meaning and joy. We're all looking for something. Whether it's God or not, we're gonna fill that void. And so how do we know if we have idols in our lives? There's two questions that, that I've been asking myself a lot lately that's, that's been really helpful to just checking my motives, seeing if there's something that has become one of those over desires. And the first one is what's in my life? What goal, what relationship, what dream that if I lost, life would become less meaningful? Maybe I'd even lose my desire to live. Not just for the moment, but, but, the, but the future trajectory of how I see my life would be less valuable. There's a story a few months back I saw on the news. It's a tragic story about this kid who was on a stock trading app called Robinhood. And somehow there was a glitch in the system and it said that he had accumulated $730,000 in debt. 
and it, it completely depressed him. It freaked him out. He saw no future with that much debt, no future in it for his life. And so tragically, he took his life. He left a note on his computer to his parents that read, how was a 20-year-old with no income able to get assigned almost a million dollars worth of leverage? He was so overwhelmed by this, he no longer wanted to live. If there's anything we can say that we would lose our desire to live over, whether it's money, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a future we envision for our career, if there's anything, if we're honest, if that thing is an over-desire, then we're worshiping it. The second question is, is what in your life produces uncontrollable emotions? Whether, whether it's anger, whether it's deep sorrow, rage, depression, what produces uncontrollable negative emotions and what is at the root of those things? What gets you triggered to the point where you would lose control and say or do things that you regret? More importantly, what, what's happening is they're causing us to act out in our flesh rather than be led by the Spirit. Sometimes it's okay to get angry. Supernatural peace, it doesn't replace our human emotions. Jesus got angry. If there's a good thing in your life and something's threatening it, it is normal to worry about it. I mean, Jesus was at perfect peace while he cried, while he mourned, while he was concerned, even while he was angry at injustice. So supernatural peace, it doesn't replace our normal human emotions. The supernatural peace of Christ pulls us through them. It keeps us from settling into them to a point where we're stuck. It keeps our life balanced. It doesn't make us robots that ignore pain, that ignore loss or injustice. It's not, it's not faking a sunny day when it's rainy outside. That's performance peace. So when our level of emotion doesn't line up with, with what's happening or what's going on, we wanna pay attention to that and go, hey, what, what am I maybe desiring too much? What good thing have I turned into an ultimate thing? Inner conflict reveals the condition of our heart. And so when you find yourself feeling a lot of emotion or, or acting out, these can be really helpful moments to say, hey, God, I need your help. Show me what's going on here. So how do we deal with our idols or our over-desires? Number three, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. I, I would say that more often than not, we're kind of blind to the stuff that's robbing us of peace. Or, or if we weren't, then you know, we would fix the problem. Like, we would do whatever we can to fix it right away. Like, we'd, we'd tell ourselves, like, yeah, you know, it, this is just a little too important to me, but we, we, we don't say, like, this is an idol. Like, nobody, have you ever heard anyone say, yeah, you know, I mean, I've just been worshiping this idol, <laughs> right? No, like, that sounds so intense. We don't use that language. Calling something an idol, it sounds weird, but what we're talking about here isn't necessarily something that's like really bad or that's an addiction or clearly wrong. It's, it's easy for us to go to these extremes to minimize something that's actually competing with our ability to trust God and to worship him. It's not easy to look at our brokenness. If, if you had an infection and, and it needed treatment to heal it, you, you can choose to ignore it and to live with it. And what's gonna happen? Over time, it's gonna get worse and worse. Or you can go to the doctors, face it head on, and, and maybe you gotta make some changes to your lifestyle, maybe you gotta get some treatment, but depending on what it is, like you can live a healthy life after that. Sometimes our idol is, is how much we care about what people think of us. Sometimes it's whether or not people treat us a certain way, and sometimes it's getting people to do what we want them to do, but whatever it is at its core, 
it messes with the soil of our hearts and it keeps us from being at peace. This could be binge watching a show, playing lots of games, avoiding being alone, turning to too much food, too much to drink, or working nonstop. And you know, the thing about that list is none of them are bad things. But when they become over desires, when that's attached to it, they become something more. Even when we admit that something's out of hand, that we're worshiping something in our life, that something is too important, what we tend to do is we think that, well, I can just fix this myself, right? Yeah, I, I, I know I'm too controlled by, by other people or too controlled by my career, so I'm, I'm just gonna get a new job, I'm gonna find new friends, I'm gonna join a new church, I'm gonna move away. But remember, idols can't be fixed in our strength. They can only, our worship can only be replaced with worshiping something greater. And so the deep problems of the heart aren't things that we can outrun. They can only be uprooted. So how do we get rid of what's taking our peace? Verse five, it says, kill off evil desires. And this is the good news, is that we can deal with this stuff. Notice Paul says, put to death, kill off therefore. When he says therefore, he's referring back to setting your heart and mind on things above. It, this is, this is, uh, this is gonna take work. This is gonna take practice. This is what we're talking about in training for the race. If you're gonna ha- be a person of peace, if you're gonna be a person that brings peace to others, that, that is a force for peace in this world, that's gonna start with some things that need to change in your heart. You're gonna have to think about what you believe, think about what you stand for, You're gonna have to pray. You're gonna have to listen to teaching. You're gonna have to discuss with other followers of Jesus in your small group. You're gonna have to sing songs of worship. You're gonna have to get this into your heart until you say, if this is true, this is how I'm gonna live. And it takes time to heal our hearts and to see what's really worthy of our worship. Sometimes God uses hard things in our lives that he he isn't the cause of, but he will use and redeem to show us a better way. A few weeks ago, my wife Marcy was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called alopecia. And at first, she, what, what happened is she just noticed like a chunk of her hair missing. And she, we thought, well, that's just pregnancy. You know, that's just because, um, you know, we just had two babies in 14 months, which is kind of weird. Like, don't do that. <laughs> it's crazy. But maybe it was just the stress of that. I don't know. But it's incurable, and what happens is you start to lose your hair. And in some cases, you go, can go completely bald. In other cases, it's, it, it just stops at a certain point. But it's a pretty good, pretty good size chunk, and that's been a really difficult situation for her because you know, you're playing with your daughter, and you just see hair on the floor. You know? And it's just this constant reminder that your hair is falling out. And so that's what's been attacking our peace. Wondering every day, like, how, how bad is this going to get? And, you know, I'm so proud of my wife because even though some days are, are harder than others, she's not giving up. She's turning to God. She's fixing her mind, setting her heart on God. She's killing off the part of her that would say, your looks, your appearance, your hair, it's not just a beautiful thing. It's something you should worship instead of God. And she's not going to do that. And, it, and, and what she's finding is peace but it takes work. You know, I, I often come in and I, I just see her sitting and listening to worship music and sometimes she's crying, but that's doing the work. She's turning to God. See, I wonder for you, and maybe it's, a, maybe it's a difficult thing. I mean, we have all been affected so many different ways this year. What might be competing for the number one spot that could be robbing you of peace? 
What needs to be replaced right now? As we close in worship, the band is gonna, they're gonna come and join me, but we're gonna have the time of worship and we're gonna ask God, are you number one in my life? Are you the thing that I look to for peace? Are you the one that I will worship? There's, there's two things I wanna leave you with before we do that, but these are kind of next steps for you in, in this week and maybe even in this moment. But here's two things, is, is, is when you lose your peace, ask yourself, what is my heart set on? What is my heart set on? When you lose your peace, you've gotta realize that your heart is set on something earthly because setting your heart on God never causes you to lose your peace. So when you notice your peace is gone, that's a really important question. And to say, hey, is this, is something, has something become more important than God in my life? And then the second thing is to, to declare that you will set your mind on, on God instead, that you're gonna set your mind on him instead. When you, see, when you see what's getting in the way, you call it out and you say, you know what? I know that you'll never give me peace. You're not what I wanna worship. I wanna worship Jesus with my life. There are so many things in our lives that will overpromise and underdeliver, but God never will. There is a peace to be found that we can maintain, that we can cultivate, and that ends up blessing everyone around us. So as we move into this song, I just wanna pray for you if you'd bow your heads and join me. God, I pray right now that as we know your presence is here in this amphitheater, God, there, there is a, an atmosphere of your presence here. And God, I pray that we wouldn't be distracted, that we wouldn't be thinking about what we're doing next or what we're eating for lunch or any of those things that can distract us right now. God, I pray this would be a special moment with you. God, I pray that you would show us that you are worthy of worship, that you would show us that there is nothing greater in this life that we can worship, that when we set our heart and mind on you, that there's, there's something on the other side of that called peace. I pray for your peace right now in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms, and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.